the question that we began to take a look at last week, and it's an interesting question because I believe all of us at one point or another have asked ourselves the same question. How do you find satisfaction in your life? What'll do it for you? The thing is, everyone craves joy. And in fact, every single human being on the face of the earth uh, is striving in his or her life to find that one thing, and that is joy, satisfaction, happiness, contentment. Um, that is something that every one of us has a desire, an innate desire to be met. And in fact, um, even the person who commits suicide, believe it or not, does so as an escape of misery, trying to look for some type of joy or satisfaction. Uh, Blaise Pasquale, as a 17th century Christian, wrote these words. He said, all men seek happiness. There are no exceptions. However different the means they may employ, they all strive towards this goal. This is the motive of every act of every man. And I don't disagree with him. Because if I, if I ask you to stop and think for a moment what, why you do the things that you do, I'd be convinced that all of us are trying to do that which pleases us most. And in fact, even if it means helping somebody out, we do get a certain sense of pleasure or satisfaction in knowing that we've met another person's need. So every one of us are wrestling with trying to meet our needs in one way or the other. And in fact, that's what uh, Solomon was wrestling with. And if you got your Bibles with you, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Because in this, we've got to ask the question, where is full and lasting satisfaction to be found? If every person within the sound of my voice is looking for satisfaction in their life or pleasure or peace or contentment uh, or joy, if all of us have that as a need, the question we have to ask ourselves then is, where are we going to find it? Where are we going to find lasting satisfaction? And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we see that Solomon went about on this pursuit himself, and he had the same need that we have. He's no different than we are. And he had the same temptations, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that all of us have, because he is like us. He is a man that was tempted like all of us. So there isn't anything he wasn't tempted to pursue. There wasn't anything he wasn't tempted to try to endeavor to meet that need to satisfy himself. And every one of us are in the same position. Whether you realize it or not, you're no different than the person sitting next to you in that you are also trying to find some way to find satisfaction in your life. Solomon did the same thing. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we see that he ran into three problems. The first problem that he ran into in this particular chapter is broken into three paragraphs, and each paragraph deals with the problem or an obstacle that he ran into trying to find satisfaction in his life. He went about trying to find it. The first problem that he ran into was that he realized that every one of his pursuits, and I'll say the same for us, all of our pursuits will not lead to lasting satisfaction. All of our pursuits will not lead to lasting satisfaction. That's what he found trying to find satisfaction. Everything he did to try to find satisfaction left him more frustrated, and that's why he kept saying, everything is futile, all is vain, everything under the sun is worthless, there's no reason to live anymore because I can't find what I'm looking for, but I'm still going to keep trying. The second thing he realized in the second paragraph is that death is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter what you achieve, what you acquire in the way of possessions, it doesn't matter what you end up with, you're still going to die. Now that's frustrating for a person looking for satisfaction in the pursuits of this life. So as he pursued all these things, as he achieved them and acquired them and he had them to behold, what he found out was it doesn't really matter. Now that I got all of them, there's one thing I forgot in the old equation. That was, I'm going to die. What a bummer. Then he had to deal with that. 
And then the last thing that really frustrated him, and can you imagine for a moment, we'll talk a little bit about this, but if you achieved a lot, you acquired a lot, you have a lot of possessions, you have a huge estate, as we put it in our terminology. You have a huge estate, and now you realize for the first time everything you worked for, you're going to die and can't take it with you. And not only that, to frustrate you even more, you're going to have to leave it to other people. <laughs> have you stopped to think about that? Have you stopped for a moment to think about all the work that you're doing and everything that you're achieving and all the things you're trying to acquire? When you die, die you're going to leave it to somebody else. Solomon was real frustrated when he got to those final conclusions. Because that's exactly what he discovered on his pursuit towards satisfaction. The thing that we're going to take a look at and we started to is that there were 10 pursuits that all of us believe. I don't think there's a, a question about it. Every one of us believe that these pursuits will somehow lead to satisfaction. And Solomon's here to tell you it won't. In fact, it's kind of a flashback, you know, if you've ever watched a movie that you see them, they're sitting in the, uh, you know, they're sitting in the uh, prison station and they're telling exactly what has happened and they kind of flash back and then the movie starts all over again. And then the last scene is they're back at the prison, prison house again explaining what happened. Well, this is the same way. God's using the same type of uh, uh, method to help us to understand something. He's going on the flashback basis and he's saying this, guess what? I'll tell you right now before we start to look at these pursuits that none of them are going to bring satisfaction, but since you won't believe me, we'll go through the process of explaining it in detail, and then you'll come to the same conclusions. But I'll guarantee you right now, you're going to come to the conclusion that everything you're doing is a waste of time. If it's being done to provide lasting satisfaction. Okay, anybody want to bet? Anyone? If we were allowed to do such things. Anyone want to take me on on this one? How many of you believe something that you're doing is going to bring lasting satisfaction? One of these ten things. One of these 10 things. There you go. See, you had your chance. You blew it. Ha, 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 ha. Here they are. You ready? Look at Ecclesiastes. Let's start with uh, verse 1. It said, I said to myself, come now, I'll test you with pleasure, so enjoy yourself, and behold, it too is futility. The first thing that we saw about Solomon's pursuit looking for satisfaction was that he was pursuing pleasure. He had bought into the philosophy that many, many of us are being taught, and that is, hey, you know what? The most important thing in your life is to please yourself. Live a life of pleasure. Enjoy yourself. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, so we might as well have a good time. Let's let it fly. Let's let the party go. Bring on the kegs. Let's go crazy. And the problem is, he said, you know what? I, I, you know, I tested myself. I tried to live a life just pleasing to myself. And you know what I found? That I hated every minute of it. There was nothing enjoyable about just living a life to please me. And he did everything he could possibly do. Many of you have been there. You know what it's like. You've done things to please yourself, only at the end of the road you look back on it and you see all the people that you hurt and you see all the scars that are there and you take a good hard look at yourself and you say, man, you know what? That life of just pleasing myself just left me really empty. Futile. He says, just let, and he said that that's the whole problem. And the mind of the wise is in the house of the morning. So what Solomon kicks in here to help us remember that, hey, life just isn't a life of pleasure and irresponsibility. It's the fact that all of us are going to die, which he's come to that conclusion already, and we should also. Every one of us are going to die. So guess what? There must be more to it than just living a life to please yourself. And God says exactly that. The, the mind of the wise is in the house of mourning. The wise person realizes that someday he's going to die. No matter how much fun he's had through life, no matter how many things he's done to please himself, someday he's going to die. And guess what? When he dies, he's going to be accountable to somebody else. Oh, then you've got to stop and think, man, what am I doing? There's a greater accountability. There's a greater sense of responsibility than just pleasing myself. So that's what Solomon found out. Pleasure didn't do it. He said also that laughter doesn't do it. Just cutting up and having a good time. Instead of laughter, it's madness. Of pleasure, what does it accomplish? 
For as the crackling of the thorn bush, bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool, and this too is futility. Just like the, the, uh, the crackling of the thorn bush under a pot, which they used to heat the particular food that they were cooking, when you light that thorn bush, it lights up for a while, it accomplishes something for a short period of time, and you know what happens to the thorn bush? It burns up, it's ashes, it's gone, it's worthless. That's what he said laughter is for the sake of just pursuing it to find lasting satisfaction. You'll have a good time. You'll laugh a little bit when the party's over and you go home. You feel a sense of emptiness and a sense of frustration that you didn't feel before because you thought laughter was going to do the trick. God says, no, it won't. That's what Solomon found out. The third thing that we saw was alcohol and drugs. There's nothing that will leave you more frustrated than alcohol and drugs. There's nothing that will leave you feeling more empty than pursuing satisfaction out of a bottle or out of a drug of some sort. It just doesn't do it. And in fact, what it will do is it will tease you to the point where it feels good for a little while. And then once you start to bite a little further and a little further, then it grabs you and you see it for what it really is. And it's nothing but an ugly thorn in your flesh that you can't get rid of. Ask anybody who has a... A drug addiction problem. Ask anybody who's wrestling with alcoholism that it's a deception and it's a lie from the pit of hell that will have us believe that, boy, if we just do it, it'll bring satisfaction to our life. And God says exactly the opposite. If you do it, he'll guarantee you this. It's a dead-end street that will destroy your life and everybody around you if you buy into it. That's what Solomon found out. He said, it ain't going to do it. The pursuit of drugs and alcohol for the purpose of finding lasting satisfaction just didn't cut it. Although this is one that we're all going to argue with to some degree. The pursuit of achievements will not bring lasting satisfaction. He says, I enlarge my works. Ecclesiastes 2, 4 through 6. I enlarge my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. How many in here believe that if you achieve your goal, whatever that is, if you achieve it, that you'll find lasting satisfaction. What's the goal, the achievement, the one thing on your list that you think if you achieve it, you'll be satisfied and that'll do it? What is it? We went through. I mean, we went through. Uh, he built houses. He did some things to achieve a certain uh, list, a list of goals that he had. That's what he did. In fact, one of the things that cracks me up is it says that I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. We laughed a little bit about it because it's like we get excited about putting in a swimming pool and think that's the achievement. If we do, it's going to bring lasting satisfaction. And so um, uh, this isn't a commercial or anything, but if I ever decide to put in a pool, I do expect a discount. But Mr. Kersey has been so kind to me. <laughs> He stopped by this week, and I want to just give you, the, I want to give you some of the dimensions of the pools. These are the, the Solomon's pools in the Valley of Artis, and listen to the dimensions of these pools. The bottom pool was 582 feet long by 207 feet wide by 50 feet deep. That was the lower pool. The middle pool, and they're in succession, and they ran like this so they could flow one into another. The middle pool was 423 feet long by 250 feet wide by 39 feet deep. Now, the upper pool, the small pool, the kiddie pool, I guess, I don't know, the, it was only um, 380 feet long, 236 feet wide, and 25 feet deep. Now, you get excited, and you think if you achieve that custom pool that you want to put in your house, that you're going to be satisfied. Has anybody got a plans to build one like this? <laughs> now, what, what did you figure? I, he stopped by this week, so I asked him what it would, I, I said, hey, money's no object. If you had all the money in the world, money's no object, and you're going to build a pool like that and use some of your better material, not what you usually use. <laughs> just, just kidding. Cheap joke, cheap joke. I'm sorry. Keep in mind that this doesn't reflect my regular price. 
Yeah. So. <clears throat> he had an overhead, too, with his business location and phone number, and I thought, man, that's pushing it a little bit, so. Eighty-four million gallons of water were in these pools. Uh, I figured just by, by taking uh, a regular pool and just multiplying it out by the times factor of the number of gallons, uh, we'd have about $77 million to do that for And that doesn't include the furniture around the pool side or anything like that. That's, yeah. Uh, water features. Well, oh, no, no waterfalls. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. You know, if Solomon wanted a permit on this, that'd be well over a billion. A, a billion, a $1 billion for this pool. These pools, actually, but they weren't just swimming pools because we saw they served another purpose. And a lot of times you just miss it because you buzz through the tech so fast. But the reality of it was he had these pools to irrigate a forest of growing trees. Now, don't get so excited about those three new trees you're going to plant in your yard and that, how they're going to achieve lasting sense of satisfaction in your life. In fact, I also was laughing because I was talking to Steve about it last week and just swimming pools. And he said, you know, he goes, I could give you example after example after example of people who put in 75000 100000 50000 you name it, throw out any figure you want, to put a swimming pool in their yard. And a year later, I'll go check up on them again because that's part of the service that comes with cursive swimming pools. Um, <laughs> is that he'll go back a year later and he'll check up on them. And you know what he finds? There's algae growing in them. There's fish in them. There's, I mean, it's just. Uh, Wait, I've got to interject. <laughs> he will give you a discount for such a volume purchase. That's what he's going to interject. On every, on every job. Not every job. Since, are you saying that maybe there are people here that you've put a pool in for and that you're getting a little bit uncomfortable right now? That's exactly what it is. That's okay. Hey. <laughs> okay. Well, here's a guy, and I appreciate the candor of a man who sells swimming pools, who says to you, if you're putting a swimming pool in to bring lifetime satisfaction to your life, it isn't going to do it. Isn't it nice to admit that? Because it's true. It is true. It will not bring lifetime satisfaction. It'll feel good for a little bit. Solomon's not saying that. He doesn't even have a problem with any of that. He's saying it'll feel good for a while. But the question I have for you is what achievement do you have on your list of things to accomplish that you think will bring some type of lifetime satisfaction? I have had the privilege in working with people who have accomplished more things than I could ever dream of accomplishing. I had the privilege of sitting down with a guy who plays professional football, who also was an Olympic track star, who won a gold medal, and I asked him that achievement, did it bring lasting satisfaction? And he was very upfront with me and he said, you know what, there was a thrill that went along with it, but it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. And the rest of the world, and I, including myself, we look at somebody who wins a gold medal and think, wouldn't that be the most satisfying thing in the world to achieve to win a gold medal? But see, you won one gold medal, and one gold medal is not enough. So you want to win two gold medals, and you want to win four gold medals, and then you want to be like Mark Spitz. You want to win seven gold medals, and then you're going to wait 20 years, and you're going to try to do it again. <laughs> Why? Not that there's anything wrong with what he's doing, and don't misunderstand me, because some of you walk away from here thinking, gee, are you saying you're not to achieve anything? No, not at all. What I'm saying is, if you believe that that achievement will bring lifetime satisfaction, you're, you're wrong. You are wrong. 
That's what I'm trying to say. That's what Solomon found out. How many of you got achievement lists that are greater than this? Talk to Walter Payton after they won the Super Bowl. Walter Payton's goal was to win a Super Bowl. That's all he lived for. That's all he played for. And do you want the Bears wiped out the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl that they were in? Walter Payton was quoted as saying when they asked him, did this fulfill all the dreams that you had in football? And he said, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit disappointed. And they said, why? You accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. You achieved what you wanted to achieve. And you said, hey, there's still something missing. Why? Because it won't do it. That's what he's saying. He's already told you that, but he's going to take you through the process so you think along with him because you won't believe what he has to say because you think you're different. He said, achievements? You ever won a trophy? Do you ever win an award? Do you ever have a certificate that you hung on the wall for a little while? And then it got dated and then it got old and so you put it away and you put it in a box and it's in your garage somewhere and it's stored. You have trophies, awards, ribbons, certificates. How many right now have those things in a garage, in a box somewhere, that at the time that you got it, that was it, man, that'll do it. This was the greatest thing in the world. And I don't care what it is. All of us have been there. And we hang on to it because we're afraid to throw it away because we think somehow if we just remember what it was like, it would restore some sense of satisfaction to our life, and it doesn't. So we stick it in a box and we stick it in a garage and we don't want to get rid of it because we hold on to those memories as if somehow or another they're going to satisfy us into the future. And they don't do it. They don't do it. This guy knows what he's talking about. That's why we've got to take a good hard look at what he has to say. And in fact, that's why he says in the first chapter in verse 11, hey, you know what? There is no remembrance of earlier things. And also of the latter things which will occur, there'll be no remembrance of those also. Nobody remembers your yesterday's news. That's the reality of dealing with anyone who thinks if they achieve something that the world will remember them. The world won't remember more than a couple of minutes and move on to the next person. That's what's so dangerous about trying to please men. Men don't remember anything. You can't please men. Men don't care. Men don't remember. And they're looking for the next person that they can somehow or another adore, elevate, or put on a plane higher than themselves. That's not going to do it. Your achievement isn't going to do it. So, but I know what will do it, and all of us have wrestled with this, and that is that if we have possessions, possessions will do it. Things, stuff, things that we can buy, things that will make our life different. New and improved things, better things, things that aren't as old as the other things, things that are maybe a little bit made differently, have a little different bell and whistle to them or a little feature. All those things will somehow bring lasting satisfaction. Possessions. It says in, in verse 7, I bought male and female slaves. I had homeborn slaves. Also, I possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me. I had those things. I had a whole house full of things. I even had people who waited on me. I owned people. People were part of the things that I had. And if I didn't buy them, then I raised them. I mean, I had everything you can imagine as far as possessions were concerned. And you know what I find out about possessions? They didn't do it. Look at Solomon. It said in 1 Kings 4.26, Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. 40,000 stalls, uh, 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 stalls of horses for his chariots. We get excited, and now let me ask you something. What is your dream machine? You know what I'm talking about? What's your dream machine? What's that car that once you get and you have and you step into and you just put yourself behind the steering wheel and drive down the street, what's the vehicle that's going to bring you lasting satisfaction? Huh? What is it? Lamborghini will do it. I think a Lamborghini will do it. That'll do it. That'll do it, huh? Until, until we talk to the guy who has a Lamborghini and he's not satisfied. What is the, what is the possession that you think you're going to have that's going to bring you lasting satisfaction? What is it? See, it almost is embarrassing to some degree because all of us have talked like this and yet we don't want to admit it in this group of people. 
But we've shared it with one another. Man, I'm really looking at this car. Did you see that new whatever coming out? Boy, I really like to have that. I think that if I get that car, that'll be the one. That'll be the one. That'll be it. Do you ever stop and think about it? If that's true, then why do they keep making new models? <laughs> I don't know. It's just a simple thought because I'm a simple kind of guy. But uh, stop and think about it. If that's going to bring satisfaction, why is always there a new improved one? You know why? Because Solomon said the eye sees and it's not satisfied. The eye has an insatiable appetite. It's never satisfied with what it sees. So you have a goal. You want this particular car. This guy had, I'm sure he had some of the finest looking chariots that money could buy. If money wasn't an object and you could put all the options and features that you wanted on this car you're going to buy, you'd have the finest of all the options. And you know what? When does, the la when does that lasting sense of satisfaction go away? When does it go away? When you buy that new car, somebody help me out, some recent... As soon as you drive away, and then somebody tells you, do you realize when you bought that new car that it just depreciated $4,000 when you drove it off the lot? Oh, thank you very much. You know, it's always somebody who doesn't have that new car and has thought it through. So, but that's the truth. You drive away. When's that lasting satisfaction go away? It goes away as soon as you realize that you just lost money when you drove out with it and it depreciated. You just realized it whenever the first payment was due. You just realized that the first time you took in that foreign import in for service work and the guy came out in a tuxedo and asked you, I mean, hey, that, that, that got me nervous. The guy comes out in a tuxedo and they ask you, hey, would you like some breakfast, some lunch? We'll be serving here. Go see the chef in the service department. Hey, what do you think? That's free? And then they give you the bill. And then you got to realize, well, it included room and board and meal. So, I mean, it, it's not that bad when you get right down to it. But, but the possession that you have, somehow along the line, we believe that we end up with possessions that will be satisfied. And the truth of the matter is this. Our possessions end up possessing us. We spend all of our free time waxing them, washing them, fixing them, maintaining them, uh, parking them where we don't want somebody to ding the door. I mean, our possessions end up possessing us. We end up working more hours so we could pay for the possessions that supposedly bring satisfaction to our life. We don't have time to spend with them. We go buy a jet ski because it's going to be fun to do it this weekend. Then we spend the rest of the year paying for it, maintaining it, so we can do it again sometime next year because we don't have the time to spend with it because we've got to pay for it. I don't know, do you stop and think about some of these things? This is what Solomon said, possessions, they're not going to bring lasting satisfaction. And if the truth be known, your possessions will end up possessing you. And the satisfaction and the joy and the peace and the freedom and all those things you're looking for, you can't find them because that thing is in your way. That's what, that's what Solomon came to the conclusion of. But somehow we buy into it. It'll make us happy. Jesus said it best. He said, hey, don't lay up for yourselves treasure upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But hey, lay up treasures in heaven. You know what's the amazing thing is we all realize this and we say, boy, you can't take them with you. And we realize the truth of it. But the next day we go out here tomorrow and we go out and we fall right into the same trap again. And we go out and we buy that new thing. We work longer hours for it. We don't spend time with the wife, the husband, the kids. We don't do the things that we should be doing that will bring joy, peace, satisfaction to our life. We don't do any of those things. Why? Because we're too busy thinking things will do it. And we're buying into the lie of our age. That's what's happening. We're all falling for it. Every one of us say that, oh, I understand they can't take them with you. But gee, it sure is nice using them while we're here. But you don't have time to use them. You don't even have time to enjoy them. Multiplied horses, he had it all. And you know what a lot of it is? It's status. 
Let me just tell you something, what I see and perceive from what happened here. God told him not to multiply horses because horses were a sign of power. It's pride. It's status. We want to be able to show others what we have. Our possessions. As if somehow we're worth more if we have more possessions. God says, you fool. How can you equate the worth of your life with the possessions that you own that you didn't have the power to have anyway that I've given to you because there's nothing you have that hasn't been given to you by somebody else? How can you think that you're worth more than somebody else because you have more things? Possessions, sign of power. We think that somehow we're better than another person because of it, and God says we're fools. We're fools because we don't realize the truth of what he has to say. But we all keep on going for the possessions thinking they're going to do it. You've got more things now than you ever dreamed you'd ever have. Isn't that the truth in your life? then why aren't possessions satisfying enough? Number six, not possessions. I know what will do it. Money. Money will do it. I hate my job. You know why? Because I don't get paid enough. How about you? Amen. Amen. That's right. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we say? Don't you hear that all the time? Why do people hate their jobs? Why do people hate what they do? Because they don't get paid enough. They got paid a little bit more, then they'd really enjoy it. You know what you find out? You enjoy it less because you thought when you got paid more that, that was going to do the trick for you. And then when you got paid more, you find out you hated it even more because money wasn't going to solve the problem. So now you're, you're dealing with the basic problem. That's the fact is you just hate doing what you're doing. So money didn't do it. You see that? You see the problem? This is what Ecclesiastes 2.8. This is what Solomon said. I collected for myself silver and gold, the treasure of kings and provinces. Money, jewelry, the gems of the world. I had a gentleman come up to me last week and said, hey, you know what I sell? I sell Rolex watches. So, you know, amazing thing is most people want a Rolex watch just so they can go around telling people they got a Rolex watch and show them. Isn't that the dumbest thing? I said, well, why do you sell them? Why don't you just rent them? You can get a lot more money from it in the long run that way. <laughs> well, right? I mean, if you're just going out to impress somebody, you might as well just rent it from them. Go there for the weekend. Go to the club. Go like this. Oh, what time is it? Oh, let me show you. Oh, I can't see that. I don't have my glasses. Can you see that? It's like, hey, well, why? Somehow or another, this is the greatest news in the world. This is biblical. Gentlemen, gentlemen, tell your wife, jewelry won't bring her lasting satisfaction. <laughs> all in all, God's men said, amen, amen, amen. There we go, brother. Preach it. That's the truth. Think about it. Isn't this the truth? Hey, if jewelry would do it, then why do you want to upgrade? If jewelry will do it, why do you want to upgrade? Huh, ladies, why do you want to upgrade? If jewelry is going to do it, why do you want to upgrade? If you take that big stone that used to be big, now looks small because uh, so-and-so has a bigger one that just dwarfs this thing in size. But we're not really sure whether it's cubic zirconium or not. You know, you ever see somebody, they flaunt that thing like that? It's like, you're dying to ask him. You mind if I take that and have it appraised? I want to find out if it's worth as much as you think it's worth. You know what I mean? They walk around like this. You know, what is this, Frankenstein with jewelry? What do we got here? So, you know, and they think jewelry will do it. Well, this, this ring that they used to have, and it was a stone like this, now all of a sudden has to be surrounded by other ones so that it feels more comfortable. <laughs> or, you know, it's lonely, it's screaming out, give me more friends, give me more friends. You know, why does jewelry not do it? Because jewelry will never be able to do it. It'll never be able to do it. Hey, wouldn't it be great tomorrow if somebody said to you, hey, lady, and they said that in a nice sort of way, woman, Go out and buy all the jewelry in the world that you want. Go ahead. You can have it all. Anything you want. Go for it. Roll in it. Do whatever you want to do with it. You can have it all. Go crazy. And I'm going to come back in a week and I'm going to ask you how much satisfaction you got. See, part of the satisfaction is driving your husband crazy until you get it. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> that's the truth. I just figured it out. No, I'll write that down. But that's the problem. No, that's not it at all. It's not going to do it. 
hey, how much money do you want before you're satisfied? How much do you need? Why don't somebody just say, hey, tomorrow, here. Why is it that people win the lottery, they're more miserable than before? There's a reason for it. Because the eye isn't satisfied with the seeing. It never is. You can give somebody all the money that they think they need in the world, and many of us in this society and culture in which we live have more money than you ever dreamed when you started out that you'd ever have. Isn't that the truth? If you want to be honest about it, you've got more than you ever thought you'd ever have. And now that you've got it, you continue to want more. Why? Because it doesn't bring satisfaction. Talked to a guy this past week. He used this as an example. This is the greatest story that I ever heard. He asked this guy, he said, listen, uh, do you buy lottery tickets? He said, well, no, not really. And he goes, well, why not? He goes, well, I don't know. I just don't see any real need for it. And uh, let me ask you a question. Why do you buy them? He goes, oh, man, wouldn't it be nice to win and be set for life? Financially, you'd be set for life. And he looked at him and he said, hey, you, you make more money than 95% of the people in this country. You know, you make a half a million dollars a year. You make more money than you ever thought you'd make. Why now do you think that you'll be satisfied if you have more money than you already have? Don't you have more money than you ever thought you would? Don't you have more money than most people around you that you know? Why do you think more money on top of the money that you already have is going to do the trick for you? You know what he said? I never thought about that. I never thought about it. We laugh at him, but you know what? I'll ask you the same question. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about it? Why do you think more money is going to do the trick for you? You know what Solomon said? I had all the money in the world. One of his investments produced 800,000 ounces of gold in a year. $2.5 billion. He had more money than he ever thought he'd ever have. And you know what he find out? He wasn't satisfied with life. Didn't do it. Nelson Rockefeller was asked at the end of his life how much money was enough. You know what he said? Just a few dollars more. That's all. That's what he said. Not enough. Just a couple dollars more. And we all look at him and we say, you know what he say? Doesn't he or she realize and appreciate what he has? Huh? And you know what? You're, you, got, you got people looking at your life saying, doesn't he or she realize and appreciate what they have? Isn't that the way that works? That's the way it works. That's what Solomon said. The amazing thing is that our love for money... The king made silver as common as stones. The weight of gold which came into Solomon in one year was 666 talents in Jerusalem, 800,000 ounces of gold. Paul warns Timothy, he said in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. You know what he's saying? He's saying our pursuit of money keeps us from finding lasting satisfaction, that's what he said. See what he said? Have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many a pang. Our pursuit of money, our pursuit of possessions, our pursuit of all these things, our obsession with doing so is what keeps us, stop and think about this, that is what's keeping you from finding lasting satisfaction. That's what the Bible says. We are all being duped. We're all running around thinking that's going to do it. And he's saying, hey, the only thing that's going to do it is what? He doesn't tell us yet. But he knows money isn't going to do it. I love this. I, I ran across this article. This is the greatest article. This guy is great. The Sultan of Brunei. I don't know him personally. Then you hate guys that you know, stand up there and they speak and it's like they know everybody in the world. I don't know him. I just cut it out of People Magazine or Parade Magazine on a Sunday. Get some of my best stuff from there. 43, 43 years old, the Sultan of Brunei, estimated fortune, $25 billion, richest man in the world. 
Basic source of his wealth are the fabulously rich Serio oil fields in Brunei. The Sultan, educated in Britain, owns the world's largest palace, a variety of airplanes, fleets of cars, and some of the world's top hotels, among them the Beverly Hills Hilton in California. He lives in a life of opulent luxury. I, I'm almost ready to break into a Robin Leach imitation here. Please don't, I know, I know. He lives in a life of opulent luxury for which he undoubtedly pays a price in fear. He knows he's the target of burglars, kidnappers, and terrorists against whom he must be constantly guarded. One of his homes away from home is a mansion in Hampstead, North London. It is owned by his younger brother, Prince Geoffrey, and it was burglarized of some six million in jewels, cash, and collectibles this past July 6th. The house is equipped with the latest security and alarm equipment. And how the thieves were able to neutralize it remains a mystery. Fortunately, neither the Sultan nor members of the family were at home at the time of the break-in. The Sultan himself owns several private houses and hotels in and around London and makes it a point to move from one to another without divulging his schedule to more than a few trusted intimates. Detectives have interrogated members of the Sultan's staff, including security guards, but will say nothing publicly. It is assumed, however, that the Sultan and his family are more interested in how and by whom their security was breached than in the recovery of their valuables. Those the Sultan can buy any time. What he cannot purchase is what he treasures most, and that is peace of mind. Isn't it amazing? We sit back on the outside and we look at somebody who has more, and we think if we have what they have, then we'd be satisfied. And here's a man who has it all, $25 billion, I don't know, Solomon. This guy would work for Solomon. I mean, let's get, let's get, it, you know, let's get it straight. This guy would work for Solomon. Solomon would own him. And you know what he find out? He doesn't have peace of mind. Everything that the world has to offer leaves him empty. Isn't that interesting? Everything under the sun is what Solomon says, leaves him empty. If money will bring lasting satisfaction, why when we've reached a certain goal financially is it never enough? Number seven. <clears throat> Entertainment. Entertainment will do it. I provided for myself male and female singers, Ecclesiastes 2.8. says Solomon in 1 Kings 5 spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. Man, this guy knew what it meant to live in entertainment. I provided for myself male and female singers. He didn't go out and buy a new CD player. He didn't go out and, and throw all his LPs away and throw his 8-tracks away and his cassettes away and, and replace them all with CD. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He brought the real thing to his house. You get excited about going out and buying a new CD system or stereo, and that'll bring satisfaction to your life. Again, it's one of those possessions. Could you imagine for a moment? Who's your favorite singer? Anybody, share with me. Favorite singer. Okay, you're not going to do that. Willie Think about it in your mind, huh? Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, famous, favorite singer. I know, you opened yourself up there, and I'm sorry that you did that, Les. <laughs> I, I, I was going to give you an out, but hey, you know, oh, the one person, oh, that's all right, there's three other people not laughing. They're going, what's wrong with these people? Willie Nelson. <laughs> Can you imagine? It said, hey, you're not going to go out and buy Willie Nelson uh, compact disc. You know what you do? You're going to call Willie. Say, Willie, be here at 5. I'm expecting you. <laughs> Willie, come in. I'll play for a couple hours and I'll leave. That, see, Solomon had the potential to do that. He said that. He goes, I had myself male and female singers. I don't care. Whatever your favorite singer is, whatever your favorite group is, whatever music you like to listen to, could you imagine if they could just come to your house and play for you anytime that you want? Wouldn't that be satisfying? Wouldn't that get old after a while? <laughs> that's what Solomon said. You think that's great? Man, it got pretty old pretty quick. That's what he said. It just doesn't do it. It doesn't produce what it's supposed to produce. You know what? In entertainment, the greatest thing, I love sports. 
and I've often said, this is the greatest game I've ever seen. <laughs> How many have said that? And as soon as that game's over, I turn on prime ticket to catch a Laker game, as if somehow I'm fulfilled for the rest of my life on the greatest game that I've ever seen. Why doesn't it do it? It can't do it, because the eye's not satisfied with the seeing. We've got an insatiable appetite. If that's what we're doing to try to find satisfaction, it doesn't do it. If it's the greatest game ever played, then everything else is a letdown, and they might as well close down shop. Stop and think about it. Greatest game, NFL game ever played. That was it. Nothing will ever top this. Well, then what are we watching for? That's pretty stupid. Everything else is going to be minor league after this. Let's just close it down and send them all somewhere to get other jobs. Entertainment. Oh, best movie I've ever seen. Oh, I, but you go to the next one, don't you? See, you see what I'm trying to get across? Solomon knew it. Entertainment doesn't do it. It doesn't do it at all. This one is the hardest one to believe. Check this out. I had for myself the pleasures of men. Concubines. Many of them. Can you believe it? No, this is amazing to me. Solomon said, listen to what he said. Sex. 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 Sex does not bring lasting satisfaction. Amen. <laughs> that way. <laughs> Kay said it first. <laughs> the pleasures of men. Look what he said. You shall not associate with them. This is what the Lord warned Solomon about sex. He said in 1 Kings 11, You shall not associate with them, neither shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your hearts away from other gods, uh, away toward other gods. Solomon held fast to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. You know what God warned him? God warned him that sex and Marriage, let me just throw something out here, because there are a lot of single people who think that if they get married, their life will be fulfilled. Did they, have they taken the time to talk to some married people? That's what I want to know. As if somehow that's the case. Hey, you know what he said? He said, you know what I find out? Even sex. You can have sex anytime, anyplace, any way, anywhere you want, with it, whoever you want to have it with. You know what he said? It doesn't bring lasting satisfaction. I shared that in a couple uh, different groups, a little different setting than this. And I heard a couple guys in the back going, hey, man, I'll try it. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know what? That's fine, because that's exactly what we're all like. Oh, yeah, it's hard to believe. But can you imagine for a moment? Think about rolling in all the jewelry that you had and, and just think all the money that you could have. The same thing is true. If you could have all the sex that you want anytime that you wanted, you think somehow that's going to be satisfying? You know what he found out? It wasn't satisfying. And in fact, if anything, it kept him from satisfaction. The only place he'd find true satisfaction, and that is from the Lord turned his heart away from the Lord, the only person in the universe that can give his lasting satisfaction, the only person who can bring joy and peace and satisfaction in your life, he found out that when he did things his way and didn't do things God's way, it turned his heart from God. And he was miserable. That's an amazing thought when you get right down to it. Is that even all the sex in the world isn't going to bring you any sense of lasting satisfaction. And, and it's, especially in our society, you'd think that, man, the way that people are out there preaching another gospel, oh, man, have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want, however you want, don't worry about it, no holds barred, you know, whatever, go crazy. And you know what Solomon said? Hey, you know what? I don't care how, what your exploits are. I had a thousand gals. I know what I'm talking about in the area of sex. And I'll tell you what, I had some of the best time, but it also left me the most empty feeling that I've ever had in my life. Was it pleasurable? Sure it was. Was it temporary? You better believe it.
Fame, that'll do it. I want a name. Fame, the play, I want to live forever. There we go. Everyone stand up and start singing it. I see it. But that's what he said. He says, I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. I had fame. I, I, I had a name. People knew me. All the, and, and the Lord highly exalted Solomon in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him royal majesty which had not been on any king before him. 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Kings chapter 10, the queen of Sheba said this. She came to the king and said, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and about your wisdom. Everything I heard about you was true. And you know what? And I didn't even hear the half of it. It even exceeded my expectations. Fame. You think if you're known by somebody that you will then have lasting satisfaction. You know what I find? Guys that have achieved worldly fame, they try every way they can to remain anonymous. Think about it. Michael Jackson, what does he do? He dresses up like a bum. He puts on a raincoat. He puts on a hat. puts on a disguise so he can walk around a mall like he used to do when he was a kid and enjoy the, the ability and the freedom to do that. That's what he does. Why? Because he hates the fame. He hates being bothered. He hates sitting down and he can't even have a lunch or he can't go out in public and he's worried about like the Sultan of Brunei, who's going to attack him, who's going to terrorize him, who's going to kidnap him, who wants to extort what he has. We have the freedom to walk around and anonymity to enjoy life and, and enjoy what God's given you and, and the creation that he has. You have the freedom to do that and we miss all of it because we want to be known. We want to be somebody else. We want people to point to us and whisper at us when we walk down the sidewalk because we want to be famous. And all the famous people of the world are saying, please give me a moment of anonymity. Give me some privacy where I can do the things that I used to do, where I can walk along the beach, where I can walk in a mall, where I can do the things that make me happy, they say. And even that doesn't do it. And the last thing, and we'll close on this, is that he thought that the pursuit that would bring him satisfaction was education. Education, that'll do it. I said to myself, Behold, I've magnified and increased wisdom more than all who are over Jerusalem before me. And my mind was, has observed the wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I realized this also is striving after the wind. Because in much wisdom there is much grief, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. You know what he's saying? The more that he found out about the truth of the futility of his pursuits, the more empty that he felt. It's the Archie, see a lot of us live in the Archie Bunker Syndrome that I call it. The Archie Bunker Syndrome is people who are out there who think that if they have more possessions, who think if they make more money, who think if they're promoted to a different position in life, who think that if they achieve things they see other people achieve, that somehow now they'll be satisfied. And they never have the, the, uh, the, the luxury of finding out that it's not true. Because they continue all their life searching and striving to attain those things that they think will bring satisfaction and they're never able to do it. So they go to their graves thinking if they would have just achieved that one thing, they would have been satisfied in their life. But all of a sudden we've got people all around us who have achieved those things in their earlier years. They've achieved them quick and you know what they find out? That doesn't do it. So what does it do? It makes it, it brings increasing pain in your life. See, what's frustrating you right now is the same thing that frustrated Solomon, is that all these things that you thought would bring satisfaction to your life, all these things that are on your list, all the possessions, all the money, all the fame, all the education, all those things, you think that if you get them, you'll be satisfied, and what he's saying is that you won't be. And so when you realize that increasing knowledge brings increasing pain, it hurts even more because now you don't know which way to turn. You don't know what's going to do, and so you become frustrated with life, and everything is futile, like Solomon said, and everything under the sun isn't worth living for. And it's frustrating. Some of the most intelligent people, and I'll wrap it all up on this, some of the most intelligent people that I know, 
some of the most intelligent people by the wisdom of the world are the most frustrated and the emptiest people you ever want to meet. Do you know why? You know what God says? God uses the wisdom of the world to confound the wise. The foolishness of the world to confound the wise. God uses that. God teaches you that, you know what? Some of the most intelligent people on the face of the earth have gotten so far from the source of joy because they have come up with all the arguments of why God doesn't exist. Some of the most spiritually educated idiots that I've ever seen have come out of liberal seminaries who have somehow or another showed them all the different arguments of why a certain text may not be the truth or what it is. And so now they come walking away more frustrated than before. And the simple truth of the gospel is very easy to understand. Some of the most intelligent people are all the Greek and Hebrew scholars who don't, ha don't have a clue what's going on. And Jesus said it about the Pharisees. Hey, on the outside, you think you got it together, but your heart's far from me. So you know what Jesus said? He took a little child and said, unless you come to me like this child, unless you have the faith of a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. You know what John the Baptist said? Deep theology. You ready for it? He said that if you got two coats, give that one person that needs one, one. Oh, and he went to the soldiers and said, hey, are you taking more money than you should? Then be content with your wages. See, that's the depth of theology that we need to grasp onto. And he's saying it all to us, all of us that are here today. He's saying if all of these pursuits you think are going to bring satisfaction, let me just tell you that it isn't going to because there's only one source of satisfaction in this life, and that's God Almighty himself. Can you imagine for a moment that a person's disqualified from ministry because they can't, they can't pass a Greek course when the apostles couldn't pass a Greek course? Could you even imagine for a moment the truth of that statement? That we limit people from ministering because they don't understand Greek? And if they did and we all understood Greek, why do you think it's all Greek to me? Because if it's Greek to me, it means we don't understand it. And all of us say that, so it must be Greek to all of us. And if we all understood Greek, then it wouldn't be Greek to me anymore, and we wouldn't say that anymore. <laughs> so there must be something not to it. It's not that easy. But the reality of it is, does it disqualify somebody from ministering to another person? How foolish we've become. God help us to see the truth of this. You and I will only find satisfaction in one place and our pursuits under the sun aren't going to do it. And in fact, if anything, our obsession to pursue these things will keep you from the one source of joy in our life. And Solomon said it best, for who can have enjoyment without him? Only one source of joy, ladies and gentlemen, and that's God Almighty himself. And until we realize that and stop pursuing all these other things and make him our greatest pursuit, you're going to be the most frustrated people on the face of the earth. God help us to understand that. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to begin to pursue you more earnestly. God, it's amazing how much time we spend pursuing all these things, pursuing education, possessions, money, sex. Uh, just the list goes on and on and just is so frustrating and pleasure. And God, help us to make you the source of all of our pursuits. As David said, as, as the deer pants by the river's brook, so my soul pants for you, O oh God. Give us a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Give us a hunger for your word and a love for what you have to say. Help us as we're convicted by your Holy Spirit in these areas that we're pursuing to stop doing that and to take that same time, effort, energy, finances and put it into pursuing you. God, help us to be obedient, to see the truth of it. Why are we living in such frustration when you have nothing but joy to offer us? At your right hand are all the pleasures of the universe. God, help us to see it. And we just thank you that you give us satisfaction and peace and joy and contentment and especially this time of year where you say, peace on earth, goodwill to men, joy to the world. And it's found in a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And knowing him and seeking him and walking in obedience to you, that's the center of joy and satisfaction in this life. God, help us to see it. We just thank you in Christ's name. Amen.